This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Man, it's such a joy to be with you guys today. I'm going to figure this out here real quick. Get that up a little higher, maybe. Maybe not. Okay. It's good how it is. That's a message right there. We'll just embrace the season. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, man, so honored to be with you guys today and those that are joining online. Uh, good, to, good to see you through the camera here. Um, and man, this, this place is special, isn't it? God is doing something beautiful. Tears are streaming down my face as I'm just sitting there worshiping um, in the presence today of what Jesus is doing in this house. But then just remembering moment after moment where I just sat here and my life was changed because of encounters with Jesus and encounters with people in this space and what God did. And I'm, I'm a different man today because of the season that I had here at the harbor. And so super grateful for that. And can we give it up for Darren and Wendy? I mean, these guys, you talk about like moms and dads and sons and fathers, like you guys are a mom and dad in the kingdom to so many. Um, and you, you have made such an impact in my life. And even I know we were talking with the team earlier today and uh, a guy that I'm, I've been meeting with several times in, in kind of a coaching relationship, he said, my goal for you is if I can just alter your course one degree, like one degree, and like if you're flying a plane, I know Darren, you're a pilot. If you, if you chart off course one degree at the beginning, it doesn't seem that significant but you go a few miles and then a hundred miles and then a thousand miles and you are in a different country. And so he said, if I can just alter your course one degree, I feel like I've made an impact in your life. And I thought, man, that's cool. That's, that's a motivating thing to keep in mind as I'm in conversations with people, if I can just help them one degree. But man, I just think hundred degrees, Darren, uh, the difference that you've made in my life and that this place has made. And so I just wanna honor you and thank you and tell you guys, there's something that's really special here. I get to work with a lot of different churches in a lot of different places, and there's something unique that God is doing in this house. And so, man, so honored to be in this house today and, and to be able to share. Um, things have changed for me a little bit since I was here, so not just, uh, I think you're talking somewhat spiritually about being a son and being a father, uh, but I am very literally now a father as well, so maybe we can put up on the screen, you know, people... People ask, you know, they, they say, hey, how's your daughter? And I say, thanks so much for asking. Here are all the pictures that I want to show you of her. And so I see why people do this. You know, they used to do it to me, and, and I was kind of like, that's cool. Yeah, you're really cute. Um, so I think we have one more, the most recent one. Um, so that's her. Now, guys, keep in mind that the camera adds 10 pounds, and she's only 20 pounds. So if you do the math, those cheeks are 50% bigger in this picture than they are in real life. Uh, but that's her and Lindsay and man, my heart, like she is just the joy of my life right now. And so, uh, Lindsay's actually been up, had some health scares this past, this past two weeks. And so, uh, her dad was diagnosed with cancer. And so she went up to be with it, with, with, with them and the family. And it seemed like it was going to be 
really, really serious. We just got a great report from the doctor as people were praying, saying it's very treatable. So we've been, we've been apart. This is the longest time we've ever been apart for like a week and a half, and it'll be two weeks by the time this is done. So we've been FaceTiming a lot because who doesn't want to see that, you know? That's kind of amazing. So um, that's Lindsay, and Princess Olive Olivia is her name, but she has many nicknames. She'll be confused about her identity because we can't lock in on one name for her yet, so we'll, we'll eventually get there. Uh, but man, I'm, I'm honored to share today, and I feel like God's given me a word uh, for each of you in this place and for those that might be watching online right now live or even maybe you're listening to this in the future uh, in a recording, because it's kind of been a year, hasn't it? I don't know if you guys are keeping up with the news, but uh, there's this virus that's going around uh, and uh, kind of shut the world down for a little while, didn't it? Um, and we're, even in this room today, we're socially distanced and we've got some rows between rows and spaces between uh, the seats in those rows. And everything is different than it was about a year ago at this time. And things have changed and it's impacted how we do life and how we do church and how we do school and how we go to the store and how we eat in restaurants and how we greet one another. Anybody else feel a little awkward greeting people these days? Uh, you just don't know what to do and you just kind of end up getting tied up in a knot as you go to like hug and then high five and then fist bump and then air high five and then you just kind of like end up like this, like, hey man, good to see you. Um, I'm really socially awkward right now. I've not adjusted well. Um, COVID has changed things in the world. And then you add on to that, this other pandemic of the awareness of what's been happening in, in racial issues in our nation and just the, 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 gosh, the deep stirring that that brings up and seeing injustice and saying, what, what do we do about this and where do we go from here? And then you add into that this political thing that, that just unsettles everybody and there's riots and there's so much tension. It's, it's just been a year. There's been a tremendous amount of change that, that all of us collectively have gone through, right? And then in addition to that, those changes have impacted each of our lives in unique ways. And then we've all been going through things. So I, we had a baby, Lindsay and I, we moved uh, houses, which that's, you know, that's a big transition. And with her dad and all the health things that have been going through, and that's just the top of the iceberg of, of changes even in our own lives that we've processed. How many would say for you and personally, this has been a huge year of change. It's been a year of flux. It's been a year of transition. So what do, we, what do we do with that change? Because let me submit to you something that, that ultimately all change is loss. All change is loss. All of it. Now, now you might gain something greater than what you had, so it might not, you might not feel that loss as much. But there's still loss involved in any change. Even, even with, with, I think of my daughter, Olivia, like I couldn't imagine my life without her. The gain of her presence in my life, wow, what a gift. But yet, and there's a loss that comes with that. Uh, I think uh, parents in the room would say, there's a loss of sleep, right? So that's, that's an obvious one. But what about the loss of a change of, of like freedom, you know? Because before I could kind of, Lindsay and I, we could kind of do what we wanted when we wanted to do it. But now it doesn't quite work that way because we go to the restaurant and Olivia's not feeling it and so we get our food to go and we would have not done that before had she not been in our lives. So there's, there's a little bit of loss. And I don't even want to minimize it. There's loss, but there's gain. And all change involves loss because you're letting go of what was to embrace something new. 
And I would submit to you, taking that a step further, that ultimately all loss needs to be grieved. We know what happens in life if we don't address anger, right? We talk about anger sometimes. In fact, I would say on a daily basis or a weekly basis, I cycle through moments of anger and I can look back pretty quickly and say, ah, I was angry here and here. And I know that if I don't process that well, over time, I'm gonna, it's, there's gonna be this bitterness or this like anger that builds up in my life over time and I'll just kind of be an angry person, right? Fear, we recognize moments of fear and worry in our lives. And I can look even probably on a daily basis and chart out, hey, here's a moment where I was pretty worried about something or I got anxious about this and fear rose up in my heart. And we're pretty good at spotting out those moments of fear. And we know that if we don't deal with that fear and it just begins to stack up and stack up and stack up over time, that fear can make us very anxious people. But what about grief? We don't often talk about it. We kind of talk about grief in the context of funerals. When someone dies, we recognize there's grief involved in that and we give that person space. But I wonder how often we give ourselves and others space to grieve in just normal life. And we recognize the need to do that on the regular. Because if there's been so much change and all change is loss, all loss must be grieved. I wonder if we're taking the time to do that in our hearts. Or if we're, if we're maybe not even recognizing the need for it and we're just unaware of the need to, to, to just to grieve. Or maybe we, we, we feel it, but we just feel like the appropriate thing to do is just to press on and to ignore it and to stuff it and to say, ah, it's okay, people have it worse than me. I can go forward. Yeah, but it's not about comparison, it's about you. It's about your own health. It's about the change that's taken place in your life and how that's caused you to, to respond. And however that's caused you to respond is okay. You don't have to respond the same way somebody else does. So maybe you're stuffing it or maybe, maybe you're sitting in the midst of it and you feel stuck and you feel disillusioned. Maybe you're very aware of it but you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you're disillusioned with leadership. I mean, you look at the political things that have happened. I think it took some credibility out of places that seemed a little bit more stable. You know, I, even throughout my life, I've seen the erosion of that kind of credibility there that's happened. And so maybe, maybe there's some disillusionment in your heart with leadership and trust there or institutions. I'll take it a step further and get spicy today or church. Is it okay to say that? Maybe there's some disillusionment with church and, and what it is and what we do and how we function and how all these changes have, have impacted that. Or maybe it's relationships. Everything's so polarized, right? In fact, that's, that's why even talking about this is, is a little bit of a challenge because it seems like there's nobody in the middle. Everybody's on an extreme. So some of you, you're, you're feeling extremely disillusioned and you're grieving, whether you know it or not. And some of you are saying, man, this has been the best year I've ever had. So it's, it's like a polarized thing. And so it's really even difficult to, I'm not trying to tell you where you are, I'm just asking you where are you? Because you're gonna be all across the board today. But if you tend to find yourself over here on the, the grieving side or the disillusioned side or even trying to process all of this change and transition, I wonder if there's another option. And I wonder if it's not about 
ignoring it or pressing past it or stuffing it, but I wonder if there's an opportunity to actually embrace that grief or to embrace that disillusionment, to embrace what you're feeling and to allow that to, to just even speak to you about what has changed in your life and why that's important to you and what you value and what you need and, and what you want even in this season. And in the midst of that, to allow Jesus to take you by the hand and to reframe things from his perspective and lead you maybe into a place that you've never been. And so today as we start this conversation, I just wanna say wherever you are, it's okay. Wherever you find yourself today, if you're, if you're full of faith and ready to take on the world today, man, come on, that's awesome. I celebrate that, that's, that's, that's wonderful. But if you find yourself full of doubt today, it's okay too. That makes sense, I get it. And maybe you find yourself full of joy. The Bible says that we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so if that's the case, man, we rejoice with you. But if you're grieving today, that's all right. That's healthy and we can, we can grieve together. Or maybe you find yourself disillusioned and just not even knowing where to go from here and having so many questions and the answers that you seem sure of before have been replaced with questions. And that's a great starting place for today as well. So wherever you find yourself, it's okay. I'm just gonna invite Holy Spirit to join us. Lord, would you just speak to us? You know, Holy Spirit, my words can, can do such a poor job of articulating the unique place that everyone is today, but you know, God. You know our thoughts. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so I pray today that you'd meet each one of us right where we are because right where we are is where you want to meet us. So meet with us today. I've been thinking about the importance of seasons and the journey of faith. Uh, if you think about your, your favorite movie, uh, one, one of mine is, is Braveheart. Anybody, anybody like that movie? I know, it's a, I know it's a classic, but oh man, that one stirs my heart. As we look at the storyline of the characters in, in, the, in the stories and the narratives that we love and resonate with, so maybe, maybe it's a, a Nicholas Sparks uh, novel or, or movie with that character. I don't know anybody in those, but I'm just trying to include everybody here today, okay? So if that's your, if that's your, should have done some more research on that. So whatever your favorite story is, totally fine. Use yours, but think about the character in that story. And I, I bet you the story that you resonate with is not a story that just has ups and victories and joyful moments. I bet you if you look at that story, it's ups and downs, victories and challenges, joy and grief. And those things cycle through in different levels and that's what we resonate with, right? That's what makes the story interesting. It's not just that everything worked out well for William Wallace, it's that, man, his, his wife was killed. And then he was betrayed. And in these moments where you see the absolute devastation and the disillusionment of where I go from here, those are the moments that draw us in and say, what's coming next? And it builds the anticipation of, of what's gonna come in the next season. There's, there's not this steady line. And yet I think, I don't know what it is, like as I look at these stories and I look at other people, it's easy for me to see that and to recognize that. But when I, when I look at myself and my own journey, sometimes I apply a different standard. In fact, Alex, can you, can you come join me here? 
So uh, I'm going to use uh, this rope as a little illustration. So maybe we can just stretch this out for right now. And then, Alex, you can go over there and just put the rope under your foot. Just one end, wherever. That's fine right there. You can just put that under your foot. Here would be if we're going to do a line graph. Because I know some of you are, are uh, auditory learners. You hear by listening. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, I hope that works for you. If you're watching online or you're watching here, sometimes the visual helps to get it a little bit more. So let's just treat this. You guys know what line graphs are, where it's just one line. Here's how I would emotionally chart how I think my life should go. Okay, it's probably better viewed from the front. But here is, here is the very simple line graph of what I would expect for my life. Now, I get it for other people that it's going to be different. But for me, this is what I want. In fact, spiritually, I wonder if I expect this. And emotionally, like with the Lord, let's make it about, let's make it about that journey. Man, I now get saved and I now uh, know Jesus. He encounters me. And I look at my life ahead of me and I think, man, you're turning my wasteland into a promised land. And we're just going to go further and further into that promised land, Lord. And it's going to get, there's that song that says, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. It's an an old song. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. But there's this thought, man, every day is going to get bigger and better. And I'm going to get stronger. And the temptations that I face today, I'm going to be like, like tomorrow, I'm going to be a superhuman person who will never be tempted again. And I will never struggle with that same temptation because God has given me the ability to walk in absolute holiness. And so I'm going to do that. In fact, my arm's kind of getting tired, but I'm going to stay. I'm going to embrace the pain of this season. In fact, there's this thought of, man, I'm going to go. God has created me for a purpose. He's created great works for me to do. Right? And so I'm going to embrace those things, and it's just going to get bigger and better. And the, the wiser I get and the stronger I get, the more it's going to go up and to the right. And it's just going to get better and better and better. I'm going to reach more and more and more people, and I'm going to be more and more fruitful. And that's what I think the journey looks like in my life. That's what I want it to look like. But sometimes it might not look that way. So I'm going to invite, uh, can you have uh, some other friends join us, Alex? If you guys would come up, um, and you guys can just fill in along this line. Just somewhere right in the middle here. Oh, man, what a team. This is powerful. Okay, so this is, you know, there's, there's auditory, visual, and then kinetic learners. You learn by doing. So you guys are getting all of these today. Okay, this is really good. So we're going to, okay, we got one more person coming. Perfect. So we'll start down there. Thank you, Betsy, for joining us. You're doing great. You're doing great. Uh, okay, so you're going to be down at the end. So let me, let me give you a story here. You can, you, can, uh, you can hold the end of this line right here. It's a lot of responsibility. You got it, Justin? Okay. So here, yeah, maybe Betsy come up on the platform. Um, so, so let's do this. Let me, let me, why don't we together, guys, as a team, let's just use our collective wisdom and chart out a story or two from the narrative of Scripture and kind of just see how it went for them, all right? So, uh, Betsy, you're down there at the end, and you guys can all grab the rope, and we're going to have to work together on this to make sure that we don't have too many gaps in it, but I, I trust you. So, Betsy, let's use the story of Joseph. So, here's what I want you to do. If you think the moment that I'm describing in his life is absolutely, like, good, 
then you'd be all the way up here. If you're like, eh, it's okay, it's right here. And if you're like, I cannot believe, that is the worst thing that's ever happened to anybody. Just put it under your foot, okay? So, story of Joseph, there's this guy in the Bible. He is loved by his father. He is the favored son, and God gives him a dream that all of his brothers and his father are going to bow down and worship him. How do you think he's feeling that moment is? Yeah, so where would that go? So, so just hold it high or low. So go, I, I mean, that might, okay, that's good. That might be real. That's, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I just think if you had a dream that your entire family bowed down and worshiped you and you were the favorite son. All right, so, sorry. I'm sorry I challenged you. You're doing great. Alex, right after, right after that, his brothers throw him into a well leave him for dead, and he's sold into slavery. Okay. I think that seems appropriate. That's a good choice. After that, he's brought out of slavery, uh, or he's, he's sold into slavery, and he becomes the slave in a very powerful leader's house in this powerful nation, and he's so good at what he does, he's in charge of the entire household, and he has a ton of position and influence within this powerful leader's home because the Lord, it says, was with him. Where would you say that's at? Yeah, we can give him some slack down here. Wherever you want to go, right there. No, you do, you feel, you feel good about that? Good, that's it. I like it, confident. So that's where we're at there. Yeah, because he's still, he's still like a slave, right? We can't, go, we can't go crazy on that. Yeah, I get it. That's wise. Good choices. Then uh, he, the, the, the rich guy's wife tries to come on to him. He does the right thing and rejects her. But because of that, she lies about him and he gets thrown into prison now and all of the influence that he had once again is lost and he's rotting in a jail cell. <laughs> Appropriate, I think that's good, that's a good choice, yeah. And then in the jail cell, God speaks to him and some of the king's officials are in there and he gives them prophetic words about their life and they say, Dude, we are going to remember you and everything is going to change for you because of the fact that, that God is speaking to you even in prison. Where would you say that is? That's, yeah, that's pretty good. All right, I think that's, that's strong. All right, and then he is forgotten about uh, in prison. Those people that said they were going to take care of him, they absolutely forgot about that. And so uh, for years and years, he is still wasting away in jail. Great job, Justin. I think that's good. Now, we know more of the end of the story, but at that point, Joseph didn't. We always superimpose the end on something that somebody else only experienced in the moment. So all, all Joseph knew at this point was, well, that didn't work out, and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life here rotting away in prison. Even though I had this dream that was from God, I thought. Interesting chart there. Looks a little bit different than how I expected mine would go. Let's do one more quick one. Okay, you ready? Betsy. I'll rework this for you, Betsy. I'm going to rework the narrative. So I want you to get a break. Okay? David is rejected by his family. His, his father, the prophet, the prophet, the one, the man of God in the nation says, bring your whole family out. I'm gonna come and anoint one of you king. All the brothers show up except 
His brothers and his father don't even invite him to the party. That's how little they think of him. Nailed it. So good. See, I'll work with you. We'll work together. We'll try to flip this up. See, that'll impact all the rest of you, too. Because I'm a very simple man. There's really two options in my stories. Should do a better job of this. Okay, so Alex. Despite the fact that he was rejected by his family, the prophet goes through all of the other brothers and says, none of you guys are it. I don't understand what's going on here. Is there no one else in this house? And so then the, the, the father ends up calling for David to come, and now David is anointed king, even though he was rejected. I know, we're, I'm, taking you, I'm taking you to the heart of work. I know. He was rejected, but now he is anointed as the king of Israel, as the boy who was rejected, and now he is made the most powerful person in the land. Bam. Bam, right there. That's awesome. Okay, but so then he goes from there, and he's like, hey, a few years later, there's this guy named Goliath who is picking a fight with all of the people of Israel, and so... David goes out and he starts kind of saying, man, I wonder what's going on here. Maybe I can get in this fight. And his brothers shame him. They mock him. They say, dude, you're worthless. What are you even trying to do out here? You've got no place here in this battle. But then he fights the battle anyway. Moving on to you. He, he fights the battle. He overcomes Goliath. He chops off uh, the giant's head. And he is the hero of the nation. Justin's kind of hogging some of the rope down here. So yes, he defeats Goliath, and then the next thing we know, he's in Saul's house, and he's serving, and he's fighting battles, but then the king decides he hates David because of all the fame that he's getting, and then for years and years and years, decades even, King Saul is pursuing David, and he is living amongst caves and running and hiding in fear for his life. But then all of these guys come and join him, in the wilderness who are mighty warriors and men of valor and they join. So, okay, you just, you see the point, right? We don't need to keep uh, going further with this. But if you look at that line graph, maybe just mentally take a picture of that because I want you to file that away. That this whole up and to the right reality that we expect in our lives from ourselves and from others is not the narrative that we see in scripture. This is what we see time and time and time and time again. Got it? All right. Guys, thank you so much. You did a fantastic job. Thanks for, thanks for leaning in together. So what does this mean for us? Why are we going through these stories? Well, I would submit that for me, um, there's a, a transition that needs to happen, and I need to recognize the power of seasons that, like the author of Ecclesiastes talks about, that there is, uh, for everything, there is a season and a time for act, every activity under heaven. A time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. It's not always bigger and better. It's not always more fruitful and more productive on the outside. It's not always that I'm feeling stronger and stronger and closer and closer to God. But there's ups and downs in the journey, seasons of grief and seasons of disillusionment, seasons of victory and seasons of defeat, seasons of joy and seasons of grief. And it wasn't until I, I really could accept that and embrace two principles in scripture that I actually began to find freedom in my own life and the ability to embrace what God was doing in a moment. Before I even say that, I want to tell you kind of the, the one theme, if, I, if there's one sentence that you can take away from today, it's this, that thriving in your present moment, all of us are in a moment right now. Moments happen and then they move on and then there's the next one and there's the next. Even some could argue that moments are passing 
moment by moment here, right, as, as we're talking. Thriving in your present moment begins you, when you embrace God in your present season. Thriving in your present moment begins when you embrace God in your present season. And I think there's two things that are going to help us embrace that and lay a foundation for us to live that out in our lives. And the first is this, the concept of shaking that we see in Scripture. In fact, in Hebrews 12, verses 27 and 28, it's talking about how, every, how God will shake everything that can be shaken, and it says in verse 27, so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us, be faith, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him. God is, in scripture, teaching us there's this shaking that happens in our lives where he's not, he's not like a bully that's coming to shake things and to take things from you. He's, he's shaking things so that the things that are not of him, the things that stand in the way of love, the things that stand in the way of his plan, the things that stand in the way of his purpose, they fall away and only that which remains is him and it's unshakable and it's a foundation that you can stand upon in any season and never waver because he's brought you to that place where those other distractions have been stripped away. There's this concept of shaking that happens. James 1, 2 through 4, James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Quick, quick survey of the room and online. How many people want to be immature, incomplete, and lacking everything? Quick show of hands, anybody? Immature, incomplete, lacking everything. No takers, going once, twice. Mature, complete, not lacking anything. That's where this is going, but it starts by considering it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. There's a shaking that's taking place. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. There's a shaking that's taking place right now. If I don't understand shaking and the principle of, of the narrative of, of stories in the Bible and the, the, the shaking that takes place in those journeys, might be confused and, and really, really disillusioned. The second thing, shaking is the first. The second is pruning. John 15, one through two, it says, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, everybody say does bear fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Not a trick question. What branches does Jesus prune? Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Can we put the picture on the screen of the pruned rose bush? How many of you would love this as the showpiece of your garden? <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Stunning, really, if you think about it. This, this is, uh, if you just Google 
pruning and pruned rose bush, this is what comes up on the Google. So I don't know that that is anything that I would care to look at for very long. In fact, if that was in my garden, I might be tempted to rip it out and replace it with something else that looked prettier. But that's a pruned rose bush. I don't know what it looked like before. I can only imagine. I mean, those stalks are pretty hardy, so I can only imagine that it was pretty big and beautiful at one point. And I'm sure that those branches of that plant at one point, at one point bore beautiful roses. And that's probably why the gardener actually cut them back so that in the following year they would grow even bigger, even more fruitful. And Jesus says that the the gardener of our soul, he comes in and he, he prunes, he cuts off the branches that don't bear fruit, which that might even be the shaking. And then he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, the things where we feel like, yeah, well, it's okay to lose that, but this is actually who I am and I don't even have that now, I don't understand. But those branches that do bear fruit, he prunes so that they will be even more fruitful. Because see, what's happening here, put that up one more time. What's happening here that you can't see is all of the energy that was going into causing those, those branches of the rose bush to grow and to produce flowers, all of that resource, all of that energy, you know where it's going? Down. The roots, they're going down. Those roots are getting strong. That's why the gardener did this, because he knew. He knew that in order to be more fruitful, the foundation had to grow. It had to be bigger. It had to be stronger. It had to be steady. It had to be able to support the next thing that was going to be even more fruitful. And so what we don't see in that picture is the beautiful roots. So if the goal is to be fruitful in terms of bearing roses, I don't think I want that. But if the goal is to produce deep roots, man, that's the one that I want there in my garden. It all depends on how you look at it. It all depends on what season you're in. Because as I, as I think about that, would I say that's a fruitful plant? Again, it's all about what measure you use, what season you're in. Now, the, the plant can't evaluate itself. That's kind of the blessing and the curse of being human, right? Because you have self-awareness and you're aware of those things. So sometimes for ourselves, we look at those things and when we feel like this is the season that we're in, we feel like we're doing something wrong or we feel confused or we feel like we're failing or we feel like we're not measuring up or we feel like others are judging us or we feel like confused and disillusioned by what's taking place because we're trying to measure our effectiveness and our worth based on a season that is different than the season that God has us in. So I would submit to you that this is actually an incredibly fruitful rose bush in its season of digging in in the roots. And if for yourself, you can have that perspective to say, hey, regardless of where I'm at right now and regardless of what season I'm in, and that's why I'm asking you because I don't know what season you're in, but the Holy Spirit does. And even these narratives of scripture that we were looking at that are up and down and up and down, I would submit that no human structure even the, even the church collectively in our best attempt to try to create a discipleship pathway for people to experience and grow in their faith, 
none of us can do what the Holy Spirit can do in preparing each of us for the unique things that God wants to do in our lives by taking us through the ups and through the downs and through the seasons of joy and the seasons of grief and the seasons of transition and change and processing that and experiencing and embracing God in the midst of our season. Because sometimes we're waiting, we're, we're playing either the, the, the when-then game in the future, but we're saying, well, when I start doing this again, when this whole thing blows over, then I will be. When things get back to normal, then I'll feel peace. When this financial situation is resolved, then I'll feel secure. When this crisis is over, when this good thing, when this relationship is resolved, then. So we're always, sometimes I'm doing this. I'm speaking to myself. You preach best what you need to learn most, right? And so we're doing this when, then, or in the future, or we're saying, man, I can't wait to get back to how things were. Back. I've heard a lot of people say, I can't wait to get back to how things were. Church is saying, I can't wait to get back to how things were. That's in the past. This is in the future. And when Moses in the Old Testament asked of the Lord, God, who are you? Tell me your name. God responded with two words. He said, I am. I am. And I would submit to you today, probably theologically, God is in the past and present and future, but I would submit to you that we are only here and we can only meet with God where we are. And if you're trying to get here to meet with him, he's not there because you're not there. And if you're trying to go back to the glory days, back to before the crisis, back to before the challenge, back to before that relationship went sideways. If you're trying to get back, I would submit he's not there as well. Because you're not there. You're here. So thriving in your present moment begins when you embrace God in your present season. So what season are you in today? Are you in a season of great increase, full of faith, full of joy? Embrace it. Serve with everything in you. Go and bear fruit. Do all of the things that God is leading you to do. Maybe if you're in a season of pruning or a season of hiddenness today, where you don't see those things on the outside, but you, you feel like that rose bush that's just been trimmed back and you're not sure what's going on and the things that you love so much are no longer there. If you're in that season, I would, I would encourage you to today to embrace that. Lean into that. You don't have to do anything other than lean into, into what is happening presently in your life and the season that God has you and to embrace him right where you are. In fact, I would submit that that is the very thing that leads us forward is when we embrace God in our present moment rather than trying to get to the next one or go back to what was. But embracing him in this moment today. And I'm, listen, I'm concerned sometimes that we do a bad job of that. 
I do a bad job of that. I do a bad job of that on in myself, in my own life. As I, if, as I evaluate my own life, I do a bad job sometimes of giving myself a lot of grace to recognize the season that I'm in and to just say, hey, that's okay. And God's with me in the midst of this and right where I am is right where he's gonna meet me. I don't have to be any different and I don't have to prove anything to him or prove anything to anybody else. It's okay. And I think we do sometimes a bad job of doing that for others and we say things like, man, Susie, she was, she was so full of faith and passion and look at all that she was doing and now what happened to her, I don't understand. Where did she screw up? Maybe she didn't. Maybe you didn't. Maybe I didn't. Maybe, maybe God was saying, hey, well done. I've got some more things for you. And so I'm going to do a little shaking. I'm going to do a little pruning in your life right now because what I have in store for you, oh man, it's so much better than you can even see right now with the current root structure that you have. But I'm doing something deep. I'm doing something significant in your life. Colossians 2.7 says this. I'm going to end here. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. It will overflow with thankfulness. Let your roots go down deep into him. Whatever season you're in today, I challenge you to embrace him. I challenge you to embrace God in it. Because he is I am. He's with you right where you are, that's where he's going to meet you in every moment to lead you into the next season that he has for you. As we finish, I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes. I want to lead you into a somewhat interactive prayer moment here, and I think God's going to do something really special for you in this moment. So close your eyes, shut the phone off, just eliminate any distractions if you're in the room today, if you're watching online. Uh, Eliminate the distractions right now. Don't try to multitask in this moment. I think this is a sacred moment. God wants to speak to you. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. Just pause it. Because I don't want you to try to multitask this. Pause this recording right now and listen to it when you get to the parking lot or when you get home tonight. Don't miss this moment of what God wants to do. So with your eye closed, with distractions tuned out, I want you to lift your face towards heaven. And listen, I don't care if, if you're a follower of Jesus or not today. Just if, if you want to just go on a little adventure for a moment, just, just come with me here. Anybody can do this. Turn your face to heaven. And I want you to, to look up. And I want you to see before you the throne of God. With the Father seated. And as you as you look up. The Father is there looking back at you. I want to ask you a question. What expression is on his face for you today? What is he saying through his gaze upon you in this moment? And at the right hand of the Father, it's Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Son of God. The Bible says that He's the great intercessor, that He's praying for us.
and he's praying for you today. This, this Jesus, by the way, is the one who is announced by the angels, who was miraculously born and conceived, who then his family had to take him and put him into hiding because the king was trying to kill him. And for 30 years, we don't really know anything about his life because it doesn't seem to be maybe all that significant, but maybe it was. Arrives on the scene and he's baptized, and the voice of heaven speaks over him that this is my beloved son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased, and the heavens are ripped open, and then he's led to be tempted by Satan himself in the wilderness. And then he comes and he's ministering, and the crowds want to make him king by force, but then they crucify him, but then he rises from the dead, and so he gets the ups and the downs, and he gets the, the, the victories and the challenges and the joy and the grief. And this Jesus is praying for you at the right hand of the Father today. What's he praying? In this moment, what is Jesus praying for you? Next to him is the Holy Spirit. Around him. All around the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the one who gives us gifts. And the Holy Spirit is very excited and joyful to give you a gift today for your present moment, in your present season. What gift is he giving you right now in this moment?
Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.